So the last few months, we did uh, a basics of the doctrine. Y'all remember all those big words? Pneumatology, ecclesiology, Christology. Uh, how many of you enjoyed and were helped by those, those teachings? Anybody? Uh, did it make a difference in your life? Or did it, just, did it just add more knowledge to the bank? Right? So we want to <clears throat> move from there. Uh, this, the theme for uh, this semester will be spiritual obedience. Okay? So we're going to concentrate on spiritual obedience. Uh, what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Uh, for the most part, when you think about church, a church like this, it's not the lack of the knowledge of the scriptures that we have. It's more of we have the knowledge, we just don't always obey what we know. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. We, we know it. There's good Bible teaching. You, you, you read your Bible on a consistent basis, but the truth of the matter is, as James said, be not what? Hearers only, but doers of the word. Right? Don't deceive yourselves. Amen. And so we want to concentrate on obeying what we know. Let's have a word of prayer and then, then we'll move further. How about that? <clears throat> Most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity that you've given us to gather as men. Lord, I bless you for who you are and all that you're doing. God, I lift Christopher Cass and Amy, his family, up to you. I pray that you would walk with them through this valley of bereavement, that you would give them your grace, for we know that your grace is sufficient. Lord, let them uh, hold you close. Let them look to you for all of their anxiety and their um, troubles. God, I pray for those who we mentioned that are sick and those as well as those that we didn't mention that you know. Uh, God, you are a good father and you know all of our needs. I pray that you would uh, touch our hearts that you would heal our bodies to make us whole. And God, now as we look to you through your word, I pray, speak to us, Lord. Impart to us the hidden things from your word. Empower my words that they may reach the hidden depths of every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 16. <clears throat> Judges chapter 16. As I stated before, we're going to concentrate on what? What this semester? What? Obedience. obedience. Spiritual obedience to the Lord. Understanding and doing what we have learned. That is the most important thing. It's not what we know. It's what we live. Am I right? Let me say that again. It's not how much you know. It's not what you know. It's what you live out. Okay? What is obedience? Somebody tell me. Say again. Doing as you're told or yeah, doing as you're told or instructed, right? Uh, how important is obedience? John, John chapter 14, Jesus said, Those who obey me love me. Those who love me obey me. Those who don't obey me don't love me. Amen. Amen. That's right. If you're not obeying, you're not loving. You're not loving. Amen. Let's think about that for a minute, right? Now think about your kids. <laughs> Do they always obey you? 
Is it hard to get them to obey? Very difficult, right? As good as, good as a father, as good as your daddy is to you, to you guys, do y'all always obey? <laughs> Not even, right? <laughs> Thank you for being honest. <laughs> Justify, I know you're right, Jeremy. But that's the truth of the matter, right? Obedience is important to us, especially when we have children. Why? Because we get to see the outcome of disobedience. And it frustrates us to no end to watch our children know what we have told them and then to do the exact opposite of what they agreed or what we told them to do. Am I right? Isn't that painful? Now, can you imagine how God feels? When he teaches his sons and his daughters what to do, and then they walk out into the middle of his garden and do the exact opposite of what he said. Ouch. I have teenage daughters, and let me tell you, it is painful to train them, not, 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 not perfectly, mind you, I'm not perfect. I, I, my wife, we have made mistakes to train them, to teach them, and then to watch them do the antithesis of what I just said. Am I right? Isn't that painful? And so the truth of the matter is, when it comes to us as men, as God's visionaries, as the heads of our houses, as leaders in the church. The one thing that ought to be consistent with us is that we're seeking to obey the Lord with all of our heart. Amen? But if we're honest this morning, is, is that always the case? It's just us. It's a safe place. You can, you can, you can confess in here. No, no, nobody, nobody's going to say anything. But we don't always do that, do we? No, we do not. So, <clears throat> uh, obedience, the definition of obedience, compliance with an order, request, or law, submission to another's authority. Now, I'll tell you, as a man, sometimes it's easy to be in authority. <laughs> Amen. It's hard to be under authority. Am I right? That's the truth of the matter. I mean, I know what I want to do, and if you give me the reins, I can do it. But you put somebody else in charge, and we always second guess what they do and the way they do it. Am I right? Now think about your wife. She knows you ain't the brightest bulb in the... <laughs> Amen. Yet she is called to submit to you. Your children have watched you make mistakes, and yet they're called to submit to you. Now, let me ask you a question. How hard would it be, and be honest, you knowing who you are and how you are, what if you were under your own authority? How hard would it be to submit? <laughs> That's a taxing question, isn't it? <laughs> but that's the truth of the matter. It, it, it's difficult when we think about it in those terms. When you think about it, 
from your perspective, hey, it should be easy to follow me, to submit to me. But when you think about who you are and what you know about yourself, and then you could in some way be the boss of you, it'd be hard for you to submit, wouldn't it? Amen. Okay. So sometimes the best way to teach a principle is to first tell you what it is not. To tell you what it is not. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at lessons to be learned from a disobedient life. We're going to study Samson today. Samson chapter 16. If you have it, say amen. Amen. We're going to read through verse uh, 21. And I'm going to, I'll tell you what the parts we're going to skip, okay? We're not going to, we don't have time to read all of this, but this is where we're going to uh, come from today. Uh, Chapter 16 of Judges. Here we go. Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw what? A prostitute. Okay, okay, Samson. And he went into her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night. At the gate of the city, they kept quiet all night, saying, let us wait till the light of the morning Then we will, what? Kill him. him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his, what? Shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. After this, he what? A woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was, tell me, and the Lord of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him and we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to whom? What would she say? Tell me, tell me. Please tell me where your strength lies and how you may be bound that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, then I shall. Tell me what the rest of that says. Oh, my goodness. Remember that phrase. Remember that frame. Then I shall become as weak as any other man. Then the Lord of the Philistines brought up to her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now she had men lying in ambush in the inner chamber, and she said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches the fire. So the secret of his strength was not known. Then Delilah said to Samson, Behold, you have mocked me and told told me lies. Please tell me what? What? What she said again? How you may be bound. And he said to her, If they bind me with new ropes that have not been used, then I shall what? Oh, didn't I tell you to remember that phrase? Then I shall become as weak as any 
other man. So Delilah took new ropes and bound him with them and said to him, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And the men lying in the ambush were in an inner chamber, but he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. <clears throat> so she does this another time, two more times, actually. Look at verse 15. Skip to verse 15. She said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? Watch it. You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she, what? Tell me. Nagged him, pressed him. Man, nagged him. Oh, my gosh. She nagged him with her words day after day and urged him. His soul was vexed to death. Look at that. His soul was vexed to what? And he told her all his what? His heart. And said to her, a razor has never come up on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become what? Uh-oh. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called the Lord of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me what? All his heart. Then the Lord of Philistines came up to her, brought her the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees. She stroked his head. She put him to sleep. And she called the man and he and had him Shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to, what? Oh, my goodness. And his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. Then he awoke from his sleep and said, what did he say? Tell me. I will go out as at other times, shake myself free. Look at the next phrase. But, but, but is a contrasting conjunction. It nullifies what goes before it, and it enforces what's about to come. But he did not know what? Oh, my goodness. That the Lord had left him, and the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with the bronze with bronze shackles, and he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. I know that's a lot, but in order for us to look at this and understand it, I want to give you the context of where we are. So <clears throat> Samson was a judge over Israel. From his birth, he was dedicated to be a Nazarite. Now, if you want to know what the Nazarite vow is, look at Numbers chapter 6. We did all that reading, so we don't have time to go look at that. We only got a few minutes, okay? So Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 8, will tell you what a Nazarite vow is. A Nazarite could drink no strong drink. He could eat no grapes, whether dried or not. Um, he was not to touch a dead body. Even if his parents died, he couldn't attend the funeral. Right. And he could not shave his head for as long as he was committed to living the vow before the Lord. So this is who Samson is. This is who Samson was. He was a Nazarite, a judge over Israel. At his birth, when his parents uh, conceived him and he was born, they dedicated him to the Lord and he became a judge defending uh, 
Israel and fighting the enemies of God, mainly, guess who? The Philistines, right? And so what we have here is <clears throat> a Samson who displayed supernatural strength whenever the Spirit of God came up on him, he was able to do great exploits, right? In verse 1 through 4, what did he do? He, in, in the city of Gaza, after he lay with the prostitute, he went and ripped up the city gates along with the corner post. Then he put them on his shoulder, carried them up a steep hill, laid them down and said, see you later. <laughs> right? So, Samson is a man who lives, who is supposed to be leading the children of Israel by example, but tragically, this was not the case. He did things that were contrary to what he should have been doing as a leader, as a judge, as a man of God. He was not consistent in walking with the truth that he understood. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> He's an example of how not to live a life of faithful obedience. So Samson teaches us five principles of a disobedient life. Are you ready? Here they are. Write them down. The first one, he lived by the lust of his eyes. Let me, let, me, let me show you. Let me show you something. Turn over to chapter 14 of Judges, chapter 14, and look at verse 1. Let me show you the kind of fellow Samson was. Here it is. Uh, chapter 14, verse 1 in Judges. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. He came up and told his father and mother, I saw. One of the daughters of the Philistians at Timnah. Now get her for me as my what? Samson, are you crazy? But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistians? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is what, what, what? Huh? She's what? Wow. Samson lived by the lust of his eyes. That's the first thing, right? Lessons to be learned from a disobedient life. You live by the lust of your eyes. If you let what your eyes see control you, you cannot be controlled by the Lord. See, the truth of the matter is what we look at voids oftentimes what we listen to. Am I right? Yes, he did. And so do you. If you look at what you're not supposed to look at, it voids what you're supposed to listen to. Is that clear? Samson lived by the lust of his eyes. And the truth of the matter is, so do some of us. Okay, okay. Uh, when, when you're on the computer and something pops up 
inappropriately. Tell me, tell me, how do you deal with that? Are you tempted to click, to engage, to look? That, that, that's living by the lust of the eyes. On, on your cell phone, whenever I see a guy in a corner or setting off by himself on his cell phone, my heart cringes. You know why? Because I know that most of them don't have the self-control to be able to stay away from the stuff that pops up on their cell phone. They are controlled by the lust of their, tell me. Okay. Next, next, look at this. Uh, Not only are you controlled by the lust of your eyes, but you lust after the things of the flesh. Look at at verse 4. Verse 4 says, after this, he loved what? He what? Verse 4. After this, he what? Loved a woman in the valley of Sorek. Right? Chapter 14, he wants to marry this other Philistine woman. Over here, he sleeps with a prostitute in verse 1. And then after he's done with her, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek named Delilah. This fella got a problem, doesn't he? Yeah. He has a problem. Not only is, is, is he, is he, does he live his life by the lust of his eyes, but he also, he lusted after the desires of the flesh. That's the second thing. He lusted after the desires of the flesh. In other words, every woman he saw, he liked. There are three things that cause the downfall of men. Three Basic things, categories, right? Here they are. Wine, that's pleasure. Drunkenness, wine. Women. Third thing, wealth. That includes power. Three things. If you can avoid those three things as a man, guess what? You you can be faithful, but you got to avoid wine, pleasure, women, except for the one God gave you, and then wealth, power, money, struggle, right? Those three things are the three, three things that trip men up. Listen, young fellas, if you can avoid these three things, wine, pleasure, women, wealth, you'll be better off. Those are the things that got me as a young man. Don't look at me like that. Got you too. <laughs> this is a safe place, isn't it? Okay. It, it, it got all of us. I I dare any of you to say, no, 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 none of those things got me when I was a young man. Come on, talk to me. The truth of the matter is all of us fell prey to some of them, and most of us fell prey to all of them. (laughs) Amen? Amen? But what we have is an opportunity to do things differently now and to teach our children to do things differently. Am I right? Okay, so, so he lusted after the things of the flesh. And then look at, look at verse, verse 6. Are you there? So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you may be bound that one could subdue you. Samson said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings. Was that the truth? No, no. So, so not only do you live by the lust of the eyes, you lust after the things of the flesh, but then you lack relational integrity. 
And you say, well, he, li- he, he lied to Delilah. No, no, no. First of all, he lied to the Lord. Delilah was the byproduct of him having integrity with God. So once he lost his integrity with the Lord, it was easy to lie to everybody else. What about you? If we do not have relational integrity with the Lord, it's no big thing for me to lie to you. Am I right? We're talking about Samson. Don't look so sad. This is Samson's life, not yours. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, right, If we live a life of disobedience, these things, I guarantee you, are true of us. Everything that we see about Samson, check yourself, it looks like you. (laughs) Like, huh, that looks strangely familiar. Right? If you've ever walked down this road of disobedience to the Lord, you will find all of these principles that govern the life of Samson will be true of you. He lacked relational integrity with God. Uh, look, look, look at where he was. He was in the Philistian culture community, Sorek. Look at, look at who he was with. He was with a woman who was of uncircumcised nations, a pagan nation. And then look at, listen to what he said. If you tie my hands behind my back with some fresh bowstrings, wink, wink, I'll be just as, tell me, tell me. Oh, man. Now that was the truth if he ever told it. That was the truth if he ever told it. Here it is. All of us have certain propensities, weaknesses apart from the Lord. But with the spirit of the Lord living in us, we're able to overcome the weaknesses or the propensities towards sin that we have. But if you do not walk according to the spirit, guess what? You're just as weak as every other unforgiven man. Ouch. So in the lie that Samson told, there was a bit of truth. He understood that without the Lord, I'm just like everybody else. Isn't that true of you? Without Christ, the Spirit of God, you are just as weak as every other man in the world. Samson's life. We're talking about lessons to be learned from a life of disobedience, right? And so what we're doing is showing what the antithesis of obedience looks like. Right? So he or you, you live by the lust of the flesh. You lust after things of the flesh. I'm sorry, you live by the lust of the eyes. You lust after the things of the flesh. You lack relational integrity. Did you notice that Samson in here didn't listen to any accountability? He had none. None. 
Nobody could tell Samson. Samson, don't do, not even his parents. Remember chapter 14? Samson, don't marry that lady. Samson said, shut up. She's right in my eyes. Get her for me. So not only did he lack relational integrity, he had no accountability. He had no relational accountability. Nobody could tell Samson what to do or what not to do, not even the Lord. As a Nazarite, he knew better. He knew that he should not be messing around with the women of uncircumcised nations. But he was, again, led by the lust of the eyes and the desires of his flesh. And so what he looked at voided what he listened to. Isn't that true? Here it is. He, he, remember, it says he saw her and he wanted her. So the author is telling us that he's lusting for something that he should have not lusted for. But God used his desire as an occasion to affront the Philistines. So it, it wasn't exactly God's ideal plan for Samson to go get this woman. I said, okay, that's what you're going to do. Then I'll cause them to cause you to war with them. It's just like us. God uses the mistakes that we make to ultimately bring about blessing. But that's not ideal, is it? <laughs> we never can violate one of God's principles for the sake of accomplishing the whole of God's plan, right? That, that's not what he does. But he does use our mistakes to do that, right? <laughs> and so what we look at, boys, what we listen to, remember when Peter was walking on the water to go to Jesus? And it says when he saw the wind boisterous. He saw the wind blowing, the effects of the wind, right? And it says, seeing the wind, he began to what? Tell me. Why? Because what we look at voids what we listen to. The reason he got out of the boat, not because he saw Jesus, but because of what Jesus said. He said, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And then Jesus said, come. Right? Peter gets out of the boat at the word of God. But then when he gets on the water, he sees the effects of the wind. And because he looks at the wind, rather than listening to the word come, he started to sink. You see my point? What you look at voids what you listen to. Be careful what you look at. Look to the Lord, not to the things of the flesh, okay? So uh, you live by the lust of the eyes. You lust after the things of the flesh. You lack relational integrity. And then next of all, notice... Notice what it, what it, what it says. Um, you leave your devotion to the Lord. Look at verse 15. And she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and you have not told me where your great strength lies. And when she vexed him, pressed him with her words day after day, and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her what? Everything or all of his heart. 
He left his devotion to the Lord. How do we know that? Because rather than giving all of his heart to the Lord, he gave all of his heart to this lady. He left his devotion. He stopped completely walking, trusting in God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with, tell me, all your, all your, is that what Samson did? That word is not there by accident. The author tells us he told her, he gave her all of his, tell me, heart. And if she had it, that means that God didn't. He gave an uncircumcised, a woman from an uncircumcised nation, a pagan nation, all of his heart, as well as the secrets that he was supposed to keep as a Nazarite. He was supposed to, nobody, especially anybody from a pagan nation, was supposed to know that his strength lay in his devotion to the Lord. His hair growing on his head. Now think about this. The things that you committed to early in life as a Christian, have you left your first love? Have you stopped getting up early in the morning and reading God's word? Have you stopped having accountability with another man of God? Have you left the things you devoted, once devoted yourself to, to do or to engage in the things of the flesh? That's a hard question, isn't it? The same thing that's true of Samson is often true of us. Am I right? Man, this is good to me. I don't know about you, but this is good to me. He, he, he left his first love. He left what he was supposed to be devoted to. What about you? Are you still committed to the things that you said you would commit yourself to as a husband, as a father, as a, as a church member, as a brother in Christ? Are you still committed to those same things? Or has something else claimed your devotion? That's a good question, isn't it? So not only do you live by the lust of the eyes, you lust after the things of the flesh, you lack relational integrity, uh, you leave your devotion to the Lord. Notice, fifthly, you lose your effectiveness for the Lord. <laughs> That's a hard one, isn't it? That's the last thing that shows up, by the way. You lose your effectiveness for the Lord. Look at verse 20 and 21. Verse 20 and 21, here it is. And he said, and she said, the Philistians are up on you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, tell me. Uh. I will go out as at other times and shake myself free, but, but, but what? Tell me. He did not know that the Lord had left him. 
Notice Samson lost his effectiveness for the Lord. Gone. Now, the truth of the matter is that Samson lost his eyesight. He became spiritually blind. He lost his freedom. He became a slave. He became a bond. He became in bondage to sin. That's the same thing with you. When you lose your effectiveness, you have no spiritual insight and you become a slave to sin. Samson could not do the Lord's work because sin had him bound. That's right. That's right. Gouged him out and made him a slave. Where he was once a slave to the flesh, guess what? He became a slave to the Philistines, to sin. Sin wins in the end. If you don't allow God to overcome sin, the same thing the Lord said to uh, Cain. Cain, sin lies at the door and desires to have you, but you shall rule over it. Did he? He chose not to, right? So let me ask a question. When others look at your life, what do they see? Do they see a life of obedience of a pattern of obedience or a pattern of disobedience? When others look at your life, when God looks at your life, what will he say of it? Can he say of you right now, well done, thou good, and what? Tell me. Faithful servant. Can he say that of you? If he cannot, we need to deal with that right now today. We need to come to the Lord. Say, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. Help me with my heart, my mind, so that I can walk in your ways. It's not enough to know truth. We've got to begin to live out what we have learned. That's what it's about. We're not here to gather knowledge. We're here to hold each other accountable and to walk in the ways of God. Am I right? I'm not here to tell you all that the Bible teaches. I'm here to help you live out what we learn. Amen? If there's anything less, I want you to think about that. Find somebody in here that you can connect with, whether that's me or one of these other guys on staff or another brother that you know. I want you to connect with them today and say, hey, look, man, I'm struggling. Can you help me? Will you hold me accountable to walk in the ways of the Lord? Can we do that? Lesson to be learned from a what? Disobedient life. You live by the lust of the eyes. You lust after the things of the flesh. You lack relational integrity. You leave your devotion to the Lord and you lose your effectiveness for the Lord. Don't let those things be true of us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege, for the opportunity that you've given us to come and sit at your feet that we may receive from you the very words of life. God, would you help us not just to be hearers only, but to be doers of the word. Lord, let us not deceive ourselves and seek to deceive others, but help us to be faithful to you and walking in obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.